It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is your Times Daily World Briefing on Monday the 21st of February. I'm Steve Forbes. And I'm Emily Wither. Biden offers Putin a summit if Russia scraps invasion plans. At the moment, diplomacy might not have prevented invasion, but it seems to have incrementally delayed it and given a few last gasps to the chance of a solution. And after years of isolation, hundreds of tourists head to Australia. I just haven't seen her in so long and it was such a big thing to be able to get over here. So we're so excited. Times of London Daily World Briefing. As we're being warned that the chance of Russia invading Ukraine is ever more likely, President Joe Biden has offered his Russian counterpart, Vladimir Putin, a meeting as long as he does not proceed with this incursion. The US Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, has told NBC News that while it looked like Russia has every intention of invading, the US would use any opportunity to pursue a diplomatic resolution. I will leave no stone unturned to do that. I reached out to uh, Foreign Minister Lavrov uh, some days ago, suggested we meet this coming week in Europe uh, to see if we can uh, pursue conversations that would allow us uh, to, to prevent a war and address the security concerns that we all have. Uh, the United States, Europe, uh, and Russia um, uh, in, in that conversation. Uh, he came back and said, yeah, let's meet. And we, we responded and said, the meeting's on, provided you don't invade Ukraine in the meantime. The U.S. Embassy in Moscow has advised Americans to leave Russia, warning that there have been threats of attacks against public places in the capital and in St. Petersburg. UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson said yesterday that the evidence suggests Russia is planning the biggest war in Europe since 1945. The role of the UK has been to make sure that we impose the toughest possible sanctions, and that's what we're going to do, Just not just hitting uh, you know, the, the associates of Vladimir Putin, but also all st- companies, uh, organisations of strategic importance to, to Russia. Uh, we're, going to, we're going to stop uh, Russian companies raising money on uh, on UK markets. It's estimated that Russia has massed more than 150,000 troops close to Ukraine's borders. It's reported that an invasion would begin with a cyber assault followed by a campaign of missile and airstrikes before ground units attempted to take the capital Kiev. The country also announced the extension of military drills in Belarus where 30,000 Russian troops are deployed that were due to end on Sunday. The Times of London's war correspondent Anthony Lloyd is in Kiev. He's told Times Radio that while Russia may have reportedly already planned an invasion, 
Vladimir Putin's head could still be turned away from one. Invasion is still an option. However, there is still a frantic diplomatic wrestle to try and head that off and make Putin aware that war is really his only option at the moment. Now, it's not a great place to be when you've lost the information war, when the person you're thinking of invading has a new set of allies and is arming up heavily. So he will be recalibrating his, his cost judgments. Um, so at the moment, diplomacy might not have prevented invasion, but it seems to have incrementally delayed it and given a few last gasps to the chance of a solution. Now, for the first time since March 2020, tourists are being welcomed back to Australia. The country imposed one of the world's strictest travel bans, effectively shutting itself off due to the coronavirus pandemic. There were tearful reunions at Sydney Airport as hundreds of people began arriving. These were some of the first. Yeah, as soon as I opened up the borders, I just knew I could finally come and see my family and, and attend my brother's wedding, like on March 4th. So that's what I'm really excited about, to have the whole family together again. It's, it's very emotional. So I haven't seen my dad in four years, so it was great to hug him. And all the little welcome presents just make me feel at home. It's really special. I've been waiting to come for ages, so it's a thrill. I miss my parents. I just haven't seen her in so long, and it was such a big thing to be able to get over here. So we're so excited. Australians were allowed to return from late last year, but most foreigners have had to wait. Here's Australian Trade, Tourism and Investment Minister Dan Tehan. Warmth of the welcome that's been given to those first planes that have come in this morning has been quite extraordinary. And to see the way that people have been reunited, the hugs, the tears, has just been wonderful. It's been a party out here at Sydney Airport. Everyone's celebrating. It's so great to have the international tourists back from right around the world. Double-jabbed visitors do not need to quarantine, but unvaccinated travellers must do so in a hotel for up to 14 days at their own expense. Bernard Langen is the Times of London's correspondent in Sydney. He's told Times Radio just how significant this is for the country's tourism economy. It's certainly a relief and a major relief for uh, for the people in the tourism industry. Um, Tourists have been locked out of Australia for 704 days. Just to give you an example of the impact, in January there were 265,000 overseas arrivals in Australia. In January 2020, just before we shut our borders, Mm. there were 2.26 million overseas arrivals. On the way, a controversial dam in Africa is turned on and a pooch is reunited with its owner 12 years after going missing. Times of London Daily World Briefing Swiss bank accounts are synonymous around the world with secrecy, discretion and on occasion protecting dishonest figures. But in a country where exposing bank account information can result in a prison sentence of up to five years, major bank Credit Suisse has hit back at a whistleblower's revelations shining a light on these practices. A massive leak from the bank exposed data on more than 18,000 accounts, collectively holding more than $100 billion. Investigations claim that the bank opened or maintained accounts for high-risk clients, including a human trafficker, a billionaire who ordered his girlfriend's murder, and the Vatican for money that was used for allegedly fraudulent investment. 
Times Radio's business correspondent Dominic O'Connell has said that there is increasing pressure on Switzerland to change its banking secrecy laws. Swiss banking secrecy, as I say, goes back to the 1700s. It was made law in 1934. But there has been pressure on it. The biggest change came in 2007 when a whistleblower from UBS, which is Credit Suisse's big uh, domestic rival, approached the US authorities to show how much tax revenue the US government was missing out on from money that was put in Switzerland. And the US pressured the Swiss to provide information when asked on US citizens, and they will now do that. The bank has strongly rejected the allegations, saying that in any event, around 90% of the accounts are now closed. Some of the accounts date back as far as the 1940s, but many were open since the turn of the millennium. Now to Ethiopia, where a controversial hydropower dam was turned on for the first time on Sunday. The multi-billion dollar Grand Ethiopian Renaissance Dam is expected to double the country's electricity output when completely finished. And it's needed. It's thought the country has the second biggest electricity deficit in Africa. However, the dam has been seen as a threat by Sudan and Egypt since its construction began more than 10 years ago. After passing through Ethiopia, the river traverses Sudan and Egypt, playing crucial roles in those countries' irrigation and water supplies. The dam diverts water to fill its reservoir, causing Sudan and Egypt to see the dam as a risk to their supply, something that could lead to disputes between the three countries for years to come. As British Prime Minister Boris Johnson prepares to announce an end to all COVID restrictions in England on Monday, 95-year-old Queen Elizabeth II has tested positive for the virus. A statement from Buckingham Palace on Sunday said that the Queen was experiencing mild, cold-like symptoms. However, the triple-vaxxed monarch is expected to continue light duties during her isolation at Windsor Castle. Nevertheless, the Queen's age means that the news has caused concern. The Queen is the latest royal to contract the virus after Prince Charles and his wife, the Duchess of Cornwall, both tested positive in the last two weeks. The Times Daily World Briefing. Sport. Now with the latest from the world of golf, here's John Jackson. The proposed Super Golf League took another big hit on Sunday, with more top players distancing themselves from the breakaway tour. Former world number one Dustin Johnson and fellow American Bryson DeChambeau are the latest golfers to commit to the existing PGA Tour, with Johnson calling it golf's premier event. Former world number one Greg Norman is spearheading the Super League as chief executive officer of LIV Golf Investments, which is backed by the Saudi Investment Fund. Six-time major winner Phil Mickelson has said that top players have been contacted about joining the league and the threat of that happening has improved their earning potential on the PGA Tour. Where the Super League and those behind it look now is uncertain, with other top professionals including current world number one Spaniard John Rahm and the American number two Colin Morikawa also announcing they have no intention of joining the controversial league over the past weekend. The Times Daily World Briefing. Entertainment. After cancelling her Las Vegas residency in January with just 24 hours notice, Adele may be about to make it up to fans. Space has reportedly been made for the British singer to reschedule her performance this year, potentially between June and September. Adele would be able to fit in at the Caesar Palaces at the Coliseum between Keith Urban and Lost Stewart, while still fulfilling her other summer commitments, which include gigs in London's iconic 
Hyde Park. But the rescheduled shows are still to be confirmed, so watch this space. And finally, after being missing for 12 years and presumed dead, a dog has been reunited with her owner in California. Zoe was found by police after being dumped at a rural property in Stockton. After having her microchip scanned, luckily her owner, Michelle, still had the same telephone number and officers were able to let her know that despite being declared deceased by the microchip company in 2015, Zoe was still alive. The dog was found about 60 miles from where she had gone missing in 2010, her family home in Lafayette. Although Zoe has been described as old and unwell by officers, Michelle says she's excited to hopefully bring her back, get her healthy and live out the rest of her life. And that's your Times Daily World Briefing for Monday the 21st of February. This podcast from The Times of London is brought to you in partnership with Google Podcasts.